0: Hey there, everybody, and welcome back to the Fat Guy Forum. I'm your host Gormy. Glad you're with us today. Uh, I'm excited to bring you another story that I, I think you're going to get a lot out of, and I know I, I'm certainly looking forward to hearing with us today. We have we have Dale Gold. see that we were we were talking before we recorded about me screwing up names, and now I'm I'm totally falling over my words. Um, Dale Golden, like the color Dale Golden. And Dale has—he's—you—you may not recognize his name right away, but by the end of the end of this discussion, I'm sure you're going to know a lot about him, and the fact that this dude has lost over 300 Uh, pounds—he is one of the the keto warriors out there. So I'm excited uh, to dive into everything with Dale. How are you doing today, man?
1: I'm Gary. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm glad you're you're here. And, and willing to, to dive into all of this with, with us, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a, be an interesting chat. I, I just recently uh, found you on Instagram. Our, our mutual friend, Miles Telecron, um, basically got in front of my face and said, you need to check out Dale's profile and get him on the podcast. So I'm glad we were able to make that connection and make it happen. Um, Miles is a great hype man. He did that for me at KetoCon. And so he's a, I, I, I trust his judgment. Um, so I, am just excited to, to dive into it. Like you're, you, you've clearly got an interesting journey for us to talk about. So why don't you uh, get us started with, with where everything began for you, man. All right. Well, uh, basically, um,
1: I, I was, I was fat my entire life. Um, I actually started out as a really, really skinny little kid. Um, I don't know how that happened. But uh, I, I was skinny up until I was about three or four years old. And uh, I mean I, I don't know. it was just kind of one of those things where my my mom was always like somewhat in shape. I mean, she didn't like exercise and stuff, but she was never real big. My dad was big his whole life. Um, I had a bit of an uh, Italian upbringing. Like that the weird thing is that's not even most of my heritage, but like my grandma was uh, like a great Depression era. Italian family so you know coming from that background with her it was never um you you weren't allowed to not eat because you know she never all like they weren't as as bad off as a lot of people were but you know back in those days you never really knew where your meal was going to come from so um so that that was like my my dad's upbringing too it was, everything was always food centric um. As, as the Italians go, uh, she was always making, you know, it was always like pasta and cookies and just, just, you know, food of little nutritional substance, but just, you know, tons of, uh, calories. Mm. (laughs) Um, and you know, my mom came from like a Southern Illinois family. So they're, I mean, they're like, it's like Southern home cooking, that kind of thing. You know, I mean, everything's fried uh breaded lots of carbs lots of you know lots of fat little little protein content everything tastes amazing but it's not necessarily great for you and that was you know three squares squares a day of that um so i mean it it, it didn't really take much time for me to to gain a bunch of weight and i think i was geez, i think i was 100 pounds when i was five years old man mm. um and it, I just, like, all my life, I had just always, everything was revolved around food, you know. I mean, yeah, my parents cooked a lot at home, but there were always snacks and desserts and stuff like that. Um, you know, they didn't want to deprive us. And then every time we go to Grandma and Grandpa's, well, which, whichever one we went to, you know, there was always just tons of junk food. And, you know, because that's what grandparents do. They, they spoil you. But, it was one of those things where I wasn't a kid that would stop eating when I was full or anything like that. Um, like my satiety sim- signals have never seemed to work. So it, it was one of those things where it just, you know, it, it tasted good. So I was, you know, clean plate club. That was another thing. When I was little, it was, oh, they're starving kids in Africa. You need to make sure you finish your food. It's like, well, yeah, but this portion is too big. So I mean I, I don't blame my my relatives and my parents completely because I didn't do anything to stop myself either but it you know it was rough um, having everybody in my family being being overweight because I just kind of learned to eat based off of what they did and you know everybody had such such large portions and everything so um, I mean that just continued to grow and. Uh, I had done times where I I'd, I'd like played sports and stuff. I did football, but I never really put my all into it because I hated conditioning and stuff. I just liked playing in the game. I just like being out there on the field. So um, I'd kind of half ass all the workouts and not really put, you know, a lot of effort into anything. And I never wanted to go out for high school or anything because I knew they'd actually make me do stuff. I always hated P.E. because it was like too much. Um, I was never I was just never an active person. So that contributed to it as well. Mm. Um, And that just kind of continued. I mean, I I was bullied a lot in in, uh, you know, like middle school and high school because of my size. And I. I didn't really like stress eat like a lot of people do. I just didn't care, you know. I was like, "Oh, this is just what I am. I'm just a, I'm just a fat kid, and I'm always going to be a fat kid." And uh, you know, my mom, bless her heart, always tried. Um, she would we'd get on these kicks where we'd be on like weight loss diets. We we did Weight Watchers. Uh, I remember the Snackwell low fat craze. We ate those like. Snack well, devil food, cakes, it mm-hmm. tastes like garbage, but hey, it's a replacement. So you might as well eat 15 of them, right? Because they're low calories. <laughs> so that that was another thing that always got me is is I thought, wait, hey, this is low calorie. That means I can eat as much of it as I want, which is absolutely not the case. And it also tasted like trash, so it's was, it was just like a double edged sword. And, uh, you know, then we do, like, these crash diets. I, I can't remember the name of the diet, but there was that, that diet that they, like, prepare you for, like, bariatric surgery and stuff like that. We eat, like, crackers and cottage cheese, and then the next meal is, like, tuna. But then you can have ice cream at night, but it's, like, super low calorie, and I'm sure you've seen it before. I've, I'm sure everybody's been through it, but... Um... Yeah, I mean, it was, it was one of those things where on diets, off diets, on diets, off diets, try to do exercise routines, try to get me more involved in sports. Just, just nothing ever, ever worked. And uh, hmm. then, then kind of into high school, um, I, I went through a, a pretty, like the, one of the roughest periods of my life, to be honest with you. When I was 15, my dad died. Um, He had a heart attack, which is, you know, I, I loved him to death. He was my best friend, but it was by no means surprising. Mm. Um, Ever since I was a child, he had health problems because of his, his, uh, he had diabetes and congestive heart failure. He was massively overweight. I think when I was five years old, he had a quadruple bypass. Oh, wow. So he, he was constantly in and out of kidney failure due to that kind of stuff. He was in and out of the hospital all the time. So that was real stressful on us, too. And I think that was one of the things that um, contributed to all the convenience foods and, and stuff like that, is that my mom just l- literally didn't have time because she was always taking care of him. And, uh, you know, we were in and out of the hospital, always going to doctor's appointments and stuff like that. And they just had really busy lives. Um. So, you know, all that all that happened and like it was throughout my entire childhood, he was just just consistently plagued by health stuff. And at one point he had had a gastric bypass and, you know, had his stomach stapled. And I think he lost like 120 pounds. But the thing that was the problem with that is that no one had ever taught him proper eating habits. Hmm. So, so what, what does he do? You know, he, he eats like he used to just a lot less. Well, guess what happens? You stretch your stomach back out. You start putting weight back on. Mm. So then, you know, it was at that point that, that, uh, he had never learned new eating habits. He started drinking soda again, eating garbage and just stretching his stomach back out. Um, and he had gained probably another 50 pounds. And then that November of my freshman year in high school, we had a really bad health scare, and I didn't think he was going to come out of it. Somehow he ended up on the other side. And then uh, March the next year, he had a heart attack and passed. Mm. So, um It was after that that I kind of became a bit of a recluse and I started like lashing out at people. I I was I was kind of a jackass in high school. Like I I was not friendly to be around and ended up losing a lot of my friends because of that, which made me just retreat further into myself. And just I I think about midway sophomore year, I just stopped caring like about anything. I stopped caring about school. I stopped caring about all the friends that I lost. I stopped caring about how I treated people. Um, I was a terrible human being. And uh, like, I, I just, you know, I I just didn't care anymore. And then once I got my car, all bets were off, man. Like, I had freedom. I could go do whatever I want. And most of the time that meant I could eat whatever I wanted. Mm. So uh, I was on this thing called Scholastic Bowl in high school. And uh, our practice was after school, but it was a half an hour after school. So I had a half an hour of free time between then and and practice. So me and my best friend every day, literally every practice, we would go to Taco Bell first and eat like a full meal and then go to our practice. And then after that, we'd go home and have dinner. and uh i mean it, I, I i just liked food and i i just liked eating all the time i did not care what i looked like i had always been like friend zoned my entire life by girls so i just kind of stopped caring about them too and uh you know it it that you know pretty much led me all the way through high school mm and, uh after high school, I, I I tried college for a little while, but I uh, was still a completely unmotivated person, and eventually I just decided I didn't feel like it, so I dropped out. Um, reconnected with some old friends, and they were big-time uh, video game people, so uh, we, we had a lot of LAN parties, and for people unfamiliar with the LAN, that stands for Local Area Network. And it's basically where everybody would bring their computers over to somebody's house and plug them all together and play games all night. Well, of course, when you play games all night and all day, you need some fuel, right? So it was like Mm. chips and candy and soda. And I mean, I was pretty much just a garbage disposal. Um. And of course, you know, in the middle of the night, after eating all that junk food, we wanted some real food. So let's go to Taco Bell or Hardee's or something, get something hot, you know. And then you sleep till noon the next day and then, you know, nothing else. And then all my friends uh, decided to keep going to school. And, you know, I saw less of them unless it was a weekend. You know, they all grew up and they got jobs. And there I was playing video games and watching Netflix all day, every day in my mom's basement. I was that stereotype. Mm. I was, uh, I was probably drinking eight, eight or nine sodas a day. Just, just eating junky snack food all day. Um, never did anything. If I ever got asked to do anything, it was a huge inconvenience. And, uh, I pretty much stayed that way until I was 22 years old and I hit the, the uh, 500 pound mark. Mm. And uh, that's kind of my journey to obesity.
0: Sure. Uh, I mean, there's so much there, like a lot of, a lot of life experiences, obviously that, that shaped what you went through. Um, I'm, So- sorry about you know obviously I want to say I'm sorry about the the tragedies that that impacted you um it, it's interesting to me because I I think sometimes people see especially seeing like a family member go through you know health problems um, specifically related to their size and and see that almost as like a warning sign like for you was was the stuff that your your dad was facing and then what happened to him ultimately did that? freak you out in terms of like what was going on with you with with your weight and your eating or was it more you saw it as this was the, the lives that you all led
1: i mean you know i never really had put the the two together you know like it, mm. it never really occurred to me i thought that it was just a bunch of crappy stuff happening to a guy you know sure. i mean that that's the way i i saw it throughout my childhood and i didn't when you're a kid you don't realize that all that stuff is happening to him because of his weight. You know, mm-hmm. you don't realize that type 2 diabetes is most of the time a self-inflicted disease. Um congestive heart failure, that is, that actually can be hereditary. My grandmother has that too and she was never in in that big of a bad of shape. She was never really fat. Um I I I think I can't be 100% for certain, but I think that can be the case just because of the way your uh uh lymphatic system and, and how you diurese fluid works, but mm. um regardless of that, you know, you when you're a kid you don't put that together. So Right. And it was one of those things where my mom didn't want to like try and scare me and what, by saying, Well, you're gonna end up like your dad. You're gonna have all these health problems. She wouldn't do that to me, you know. So I guess it it, it had never really occurred to me. And then you know, after after he passed, she started getting a little more serious about how. You know, this a lot of his issues were were self inflicted from you know his his bad habits and stuff like that. He used to smoke a lot too. I ne- I was never interested in that or anything. Um, I always thought it was disgusting, and I was happiest day was when he quit. But I mean, I I guess it just never really had occurred
2: to me, man.
0: Sure. I, th- I think that makes sense. I think we because it's it's not as if you're, you're you're getting a full lesson on all of that as you're growing up as a kid. Like in terms of, you know, the the biological responses and, you know, the nutrition education, even the proliferation of it now, like isn't there. So even at 15, then you're, you're not even seeing those, you know, that information isn't flashing in front of you to explain what's going on. I, that makes complete sense. Yeah. So you found yourself you you said at twenty two five hundred pounds, yep. What what happened then? Like where where was where were things going for you then? Like how did you were you just weighing your, Like I I guess I, I'm jumping I'm jumping back and forth. Um, one I I, yeah. I you know I want I want to make sure I, I get there's a lot of things I want to, I want to talk about with you. But so let let's first let's we'll get to that moment in a minute. Like first, um. Because I I think it's really interesting you talked about, you know, family patterns and and like I I think for me, a lot of like my eating habits were shaped not necessarily by, you know, fault of, of family or circumstance. But, you know, we, you know, our income level was where it was. And so the food choices that were there were things that were cheaper. And, you know, when you're not putting, you know, you're not spending as much money on food, you look for things that taste good. Um, you know, to keep everyone happy and all of those things. And um, do you think, like, do do are you someone that ever identified yourself, like, as? I mean, obviously, I think if we get to five hundred pounds, we have issues with food. But do you do you think your your issues coalesced in addictive behavior with food, or was it just had become that was your life, like ingrained behavior? Like, how how do you describe that side of things for you?
1: Um, I think I I'm I'm. I'm definitely sure that I had, you know, food addiction, but, you know, I mean, I think it had just become my life that I had gotten to that point where, uh, like, I was just never full.
3: Mm.
1: I had always eaten so much food that it was just regular to me to eat food, you know? Like, when I go to Taco Bell, I would get a meal and then an item. You know, you you order one of their combo meals and then an item. Right. Something like that every time. So it's, I never thought that I was eating that much because I had friends that would eat that much too. But what I wasn't realizing is they were in football, they were in swimming, they were working out three days, you know, three hours a day. And I, I legitimately have a slow metabolism. That is one thing that I can say absolutely 100% for sure, because I tracked my TDEE in a spreadsheet for a year. mm And I lift weights for an hour to an hour and a half every day. And I walk a mile and like 1.3, 1.5 miles afterwards, at least five, maybe six days a week. And I make sure I get like at least eight to 10,000 steps every day. And if I eat more than 1,750 calories with that activity, I will gain weight. Oh, wow. Yeah. So... Yeah, you can't outrun your fork, but at the same time, some people have a peasant's metabolism,
0: and oh, that yeah. helped me. So yeah, so there's clearly some factors that are working against you, you know, and whether that's genetic or if it's you know biologically ingrained through how your your body developed, you know, from the, from a young age, like it, it's clearly yeah. something that's a real issue for you there. So. You found yourself at 500 pounds at 22 years old. What happened then?
1: Well, being that I was a big time uh, basement computer dwelling person, you can imagine that I was a, a Redditor as well. Mm-hmm. And I just kept seeing stuff pop up on this Keto subreddit and all these people, with these massive weight loss transformations. And at first I had never really thought too much about it. You know, I just see them like, oh, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. You know? Not really, not really put that much together, but I hit that point in my life where I was just done with life in general. Mm. Like I was pretty much just done existing. I didn't care about anything at all. I didn't have any motivation to go to school. I was unemployed, literally played video games and slept all day. And I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I kind of hit the screw it point in my life and uh I started doing a little more research into keto and reading all this stuff about it and I was like, Well, I'm five hundred pounds. Oh, and by the way, you asked something about uh monitoring my weight and stuff. Basically I only yeah. got weight when I went to the doctor's office because that was okay. the had a scale big enough to weigh me. Um so I just remember the last recorded weight before I started being five hundred pounds. And uh I just said, you know what? I've had enough. Um, it doesn't matter if I succeed or fail at this keto thing because if I fail at it, I'm pretty much, you know, I'm, I'm pretty much just done with, with whatever. So I have nothing to lose. Let's try it. So started in right away. Uh, didn't count calories or anything. Started under 20 carbs a day. Soda, fifty pounds the first month. Oh wow! Sold. Hmm. You know, I mean, I was like, I that that made me a lifer. I was like, all right, I'm doing this. I gave it a shot. I it, and it was appealing to me because I always liked, you know, meat and cheese. And and back when I started seven years ago, gourmet they did not have all this cool stuff. they didn't have all these replacement products they like i was what people refer to as dirty keto that was Mm -hmm. to the core like it was bacon cheese burgers like little vegetables and if they were they were canned i mean i i was not micronutrient dense i i didn't pay attention nutritional value of food i just you know but it didn't matter because I was so big that as long as I was on a caloric deficit, I was going to lose weight. Right. But the, the keto thing helped with the uh, appetite suppression. So after the first year I had gotten through, I was down 150 pounds. Hmm. And then I think, you know, then when you're at that point and you see that thing for me, it, it was just, there's no looking back. Like, this is awesome. Like everybody around me is is cheering me on, telling me how proud of me they are and how I'm an inspiration and all that stuff. And it's like, well, all right, well, I, I can't let these people down, you know. But, I, you know, on the inside, I was super happy too.
0: And this was your first, well, like you would say, this is your first real success at, at a weight loss was, effort like this? Was.
1: I mean, mm. I'd lose 10, 15 pounds here or there doing Weight Watchers or just counting calories or doing the subway diet or whatever the hell I was doing that particular mm. week. Oh, you know, but this is the first thing that I saw something is I was like, you know what? This is my life now. And I didn't care that much. Like I didn't, I didn't miss all the other stuff that bad that it was worth being 500 pounds. Hmm. So, you know, I just kept trucking along and, and, uh, the second year, I think I lost probably 75 or so. I, I can't remember exactly, but at that point, I started trying to exercise, but lifting and working out really weren't my thing. I would go to the gym and feel really proud of myself, but then just kind of be like, whatever. I can lose weight without exercising. Then I hit the, uh, you know, 250, 300 pound loss mark after. I think, I think the first three years is where most of it came from. Mm. And then I started getting a little more serious about lifting and, and stuff, but I was never, I don't know, I was never really that super motivated. I guess I, I had a lot of, uh, I, I screwed around a lot at the gym. I just thought being there was enough. Um, and i am I'm sure it helped me to a certain extent, but. I think the real the real turning point for me was uh, I, had, I had seen somebody post about um, a Spartan race, how they completed their first one, and they were super proud of themselves for their accomplishment. And I was like, I've never even heard of this. Let's see what this is. And uh, I was reading up on it, and I was like, you know what? This seems really cool. I'm signing up. Which uh, I had never run before. Wow. So uh, that... That started me out on, well, you got five months. You've never run a 5K. Let's get going. So started couch to 5K. um, Got to the point where I was comfortably running about four miles every day. Mm. uh, Lifting a lot. I I had gotten more serious at that point. I was following the Keto Gains program, um, their novice program, which was basically ice cream fitness, if you've ever heard of that. It was a a modified 5 by 5 it was just a five by five with some added hypertrophy work, and uh, I was doing that and running, and I I was getting in pretty good shape, and I ran my first Spartan race, and I was hooked, and I started taking my uh, fitness a little more seriously. So I got kind of obsessed with body composition there for a while after that. Mm. And uh, I think that might have been one of the things that had led me to a bit of a metabolic slowdown, as I was just, I I had been on a perma cut for six years, man. Like I I had mm, never not right. cutting weight. And then I I had my first DEXA scan, and I was like, I was like twenty one percent or something. And that was when I was over a little over two hundred pounds. I think it was about two ten. And uh, I thought that was awesome, but I wanted to get lower. So, you know, I, I, I just continued working on my fitness and I discovered something called a protein sparing modified fast, mm. which for people unfamiliar with that. It's a, uh, it's just a super, super strict crash diet. Um, basically you eat your body weight and protein, less than 20 carbs, less than 20 fat. You're eating like a thousand calories a day. And it's one of those things where it's just, uh, you embrace the suck. This
0: is all just deal with it. Sounds like it.
1: Yeah. So I got really into that. I was doing that on days where I lifted and then on days where I ran, I would eat more calories because they strictly suggested that if you're doing a PSMF, you cannot do cardio. So I was like, okay. well, I'll just, you know, I'll eat back the cardio calories on my on my running days. And uh, we'll be good. So I, I just continued that cycle for a while and, and I just, just kept, kept losing weight and kept losing weight and leaning out. I wasn't losing muscle. I mean, I was, I was, you know, the next DEXA scan I got was like 17% and I was super motivated. And then I got 13% and I was like, oh man, oh, wow. this, this is starting to get really hard because when you're that small, you know, the paper towel effect, it's, it's legit. Um, so I I got down to the point where I was at ten percent body fat. Oh wow! And on paper, that's awesome. You know, mm. like seven eight percent, you're contest ready. You're ready to walk out on stage at a bodybuilding show. You know, right? Percent. So that's what magazine models that are shredded are at. You know, you feel super cool. And then you start thinking about it. I'm five foot ten, Gormy. I have 15 pounds of loose skin, give or take, uh, from, from plastic surgeons and, and doctors that I've talked
2: to. Right. Uh,
1: if I weigh 167 pounds at 5'10", you take off that skin, I'm 152 pounds. Mm. That is too small. Right. So, I was at that point where I was cutting weight like crazy. I was body composition obsessed. I was obsessed with... Mm. Um, my exercise and everything, just right on. I am I was never clinically diagnosed, but I, I know I had developed orthorexia. And mm. it, it, it's, it's not like I wasn't like binging and purging. It wasn't an anorexia. Orthorexia, for the people that are unfamiliar with that, is when you get obsessed with nutrition and, and, uh, and exercise to the point where you're absolutely trying to dial in everything 100%, and it's taking away from your social life. And, you know, it's like everything in your life revolves around, you know, perfect net macros and and making sure your exercise is on point, scheduling workouts like three weeks in advance, making sure you're going to be on it, you know, and it, it got to the point of obsession. It wasn't I was or I wasn't moving because I enjoyed it. I had to because I had to hit this number by this date for an arbitrary reason that meant nothing to anybody but myself. So, um, that kind of screwed me up a little bit for a while, uh, so I, I got to that point finally where I was like, you know, I, I'm too small. Mm. I have to do something about that and which is,
0: which has got to be wild having been 500 pounds. Yeah, I know. know. To then be in that I, spot where now you're thinking, I'm too small, I can't be 500 pounds again. Like, I'm just wondering, like, what is that? What does that realization really feel like for you?
1: Um, I'm gonna be honest with you, it's terrifying. Hmm. Because it doesn't matter if you're too small and people are concerned about you. Because I did have family members that were worried about me. Um. You're you're terrified of gaining weight mm-hmm I uh, you know I used to be 500 pounds and I'm you know way too small now but I'm still terrified of seeing the scale move up even if it's healthy
0: right so what what do you do then?
2: You there, Dale? Did I lose you?
0: I'm not sure if you can hear me, Dale, but you're you're not coming through. You're not recording at all.
1: Am I not recording?
0: Yeah, you were you you went dead there for for a minute or so. We were we were talking about I. I asked, I don't know if you had heard me, I, I had asked what what you did then after you kind of had that you know, you're in that spot of being scared and yeah. um, then you went dead after that.
1: Okay. I, uh, I had gone I decided that I was going to go on my first official bulk. Okay. So um, I was still kind of in that orthorexia-ish phase where I wanted to make sure everything was perfect. I went on a lean bulk. I was trying to gain tane as people say. Mm-hmm. So I added a couple hundred calories a day, and my whole mindset was, bulk until you're not happy with how fat you've gotten, and then you cut again. So it, it was still keto. I still stayed under 20 carbs. I just increased fats, mostly, for calories. And uh, I just went at it for a, a few months. And I got stronger. I added a little muscle. And then I finally hit the point where I thought I was happy with where I was, and I cut down again. And then I decided that uh, bulking and cutting wasn't necessarily the most fun thing ever. Mm. So I was just gonna try and and uh, maintain my weight for a while. So I mean that's what I did. I just just continued to exercise and figured out about what my TDEE was, so I could you know out where my maintenance needed to be, and just and just not gain any more weight. And uh, I kind of lived there for about six months. I have pretty much stayed at the same body composition. But uh, one thing that I struggled with for a couple years that people don't like to talk about is uh, how the all-or-nothing um, Mindset that some of the people on keto preach to everybody,
2: how mm-hmm.
1: oh, that kind of messed me up a lot.
2: Oh, for sure.
1: So, I was in the category where I was labeling foods as good and bad, and it wasn't something that I could eat in moderation. So, I, there for a while, honestly, I, I developed a bit of an eating disorder. Um, I would cut like crazy for a while until I hit the point, mostly during Spartan race season, so I could be a lower weight, so it made it easier. Um, so I, I, I would I would cut until I was the weight that I wanted, and then I would have a race. And then I would have two or three days where I would just go eight. Like, I would go crazy hard in the paint on all of the food that I deprived myself for like eight months.
3: Mm.
1: You know, like donuts, pizza, tacos. And the thing that people don't realize is when you do that, like for a couple days, like at the end of the second day, that stuff doesn't taste good. And you're just eating it because it's on the list that you made of things. Exactly. That you continue to get. Mhm. You know, I'd be it's- sitting there for 6 months at a time and it'd be like Man, I haven't had oh fish tacos are like my favorite thing ever. I need to get fish tacos on my next cheat day. Oh, I need to make really make sure that I have a, a cinnamon roll on my next cheat day. Oh, I haven't had a blueberry cake done th- yet this year, and they're gonna uh, be gone, so I have to make sure I get one of those on this cheat day. And uh, you know, it was just that consistently, and. Uh, I would have like two or three days at a time, and then I would get back on the wagon right after because the weird thing about me is that I can turn it on and off like just snap of a finger. Mm. My brain is that regimented that I can do that. But it would take me a while to lose the water weight. Because I swell up like a balloon. Mm. I have so much excess skin on me. I mean, you know what that's like, but. Oh, um, yeah. If I if I eat a bunch of carbs and sodium and stuff, what people don't know is that fat cells don't ever go away. When you lose fat, you shrink and dehydrate your fat cells. They do not disappear. Mm-hmm. They will be there for the rest of your life unless you have them surgically removed via skin removal or liposuction.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So when I would eat like that, I would swell up and gain a bunch of weight, and then it would take a while to leave me. But that didn't really ever bother me that much because I knew it was going to go away and I wasn't like super, you know, I'd have a, I'd have a race and again in, in maybe three months. So I had time, you know, well, then I, I started reading up on, uh, fasting that got really popular and I, I had done intermittent fasting for years, but, uh, I started playing around with extended fasting, you know, two three days at a time um max was ever was ever three for me and i i kind of liked the way it made me feel for a while and it really helped me lose this was during the cutting a lot phase so
2: right
1: to lean out a bunch so extended fasting was helping with that because you're creating such a massive calorie deficit and there are some muscle sparing um facets to it you're not always you know damaging yourself when you do that but so I got into that cycle. Well, then it was have a two or three day relentless carb junk food binge. Well, then fast for three days mm. to reset yourself. And I, I had convinced myself that was okay. And then I think that the tipping point in my life for me was a vacation in Nashville. I went to see my sister. I had four and a half days of completely unrestricted crap.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm not kidding. I weighed myself before and after. I literally gained 38 pounds in four mm-hmm. days. And people look at me like I'm crazy. And I said, I have the data written down. I can show you. Mm-hmm. So that one freaked me out real bad, because I also took before and after pictures, and I decided to try and do my longest fast ever, which was 10 days. Oh, wow. So I had gotten into the point where I legitimately had an eating disorder, but I had convinced myself that I didn't. Right. Um. Because lots of people on the internet fasted that must mean that it's normal, right? Hmm. So I I went through that for a while and just, just going crazy and then fasting and then going crazy and then fasting. And then I don't know, man, it was just, I hit the point in my life where I I couldn't do that anymore. Like I had, I had to stop. I, I was, I was messed up. Um, and I never really like had to talk to anybody about it. I talked to my sister about it, but she she told me I was fine cuz I don't think she wanted me wanted to have to tell me that I had something wrong, you know. Mm. And uh I don't know. I I hit the point where I just wasn't interested in that lifestyle anymore.
0: Well, it seemed like you you you've you've got this pattern of you know the the obsession evolving but it always being there and it seems it, you know it's to me having lived something similar like I it gets exhausting
3: mm-hmm.
0: so so what happened for you then because I think it's really fascinating that a lot of times I talk to guys you know that have been 500 600 pounds and it's that 500 pound point where the real breaking point happens but it sounds like the the real evolution of your journey came later in your process.
1: Yeah. Um, it became very apparent to me that I needed to fix my relationship with food. Hmm. Um, and I, I had, I had seen some, some people online talking about that. And some people are really against keto for the binary nature of it, like that. Because, you know, when, when, when you're trying to look at the, uh, the influence of a lot of social media people you get a lot of feedback and a lot of uh a lot of uh backlash from from having a differing opinion so you know i would i was at the point where if i did anything i i cared too much about what people on the internet thought of me i guess mm. and uh, a lot of the keto gurus and stuff like that will tell you if you know if you ever have anything that's not 100% keto approved well you're just You're breaking all the rules and you're letting everyone down. And it was at the point where if I went somewhere and posted about a food that I ate in a city I'd never been to before, so I could try the local cuisine, if it wasn't keto, I'd lose followers and people would send me angry DMs and stuff like that. Mm. So that helped perpetuate the all or nothing thing. And, And I had seen some people online that didn't particularly like keto for that specific reason. Because a lot of people on keto are, are now zealots, you know. Um, so I started branching out and kind of, kind of seeing what other people do, and, and, and I it was at that point that I realized that it wasn't necessarily, um, you know, being on or off keto that was the problem. It was the fact that I had a really incorrect relationship with food.
3: Mm. Like I was at
1: the point where if I, well, if you eat a donut. You're going to be out of ketosis. You're going to lose fat adaptation, and it's going to take you five weeks to get it back. So you might as well just go crazy that day, anyway. What people don't realize is when you've been doing keto for seven years, and you have a day where you just maybe go over two, three hundred carbs, you're probably not going to lose fat adaptation because your body is wired differently now. Mm. So. Like I always had that thing too where I was terrified that my gym performance and stuff like that would suffer. So I needed to put it all into two or three days. That way, um I just, you know, all or nothing and get it back after I decided right. to get the turkey off of everything. So um I started working on on thinking about reframing how I am with food and uh, that was when I decided to try an experiment. And again, it was something that I decided to not post about because I still cared too much about what people on social media thought. And I was a keto guy. So if I talked about eating more carbs, I would be shunned, which mm. happened to a certain extent. But, uh, I did an experiment, man. I, I had days, um, I kept my protein where it was at, but I started playing around with carbs and fat and kind of moving them around a little bit. And, uh, part of that was to see how I felt differently. And part of it was to allow myself to have some junk food every now and again. So I went to, um, 100 to 150 grams of carbs every day. Uh, found out that I felt best probably around 75 to 100, but, um, you know, I kept my calories in check and I did that for two months. And I didn't gain any weight. Mm. Amazing to me because I'd always thought that if I ate carbs, I was just gonna, I was gonna gain weight. But I realized it was about a calorie balance, and that I could have things in moderation if I so chose. And the world wasn't going to be over. But the thing that uh, that really showed through for me about that um, was that I cannot. At some point in my life I'll, on keto, I will hit the point where I'm able to maintain my weight uh, without tracking religiously. I know that I'll eventually be able to follow my hunger cues on keto as a lifestyle. Um, one thing I found during my carb experiment was that I was I was hungry all the time. Mm. So it was easier for me to uh regulate my own self when I'm not eating as many carbs and not eating junk food, but I would eat a little bit of junk food pretty much every day, but I would just I would find myself more hungry. So it wasn't necessarily something that um I found sustainable in the long term because I don't want to track macros for the rest of my life.
3: Mm.
0: But I think that's really interesting because you you had to step outside of the box you know that you would you would come through this journey and to start to really evolve that relationship you were having with food and and find out you know how like I, that cuz the the hunger question was going to be that first was going to be the first thing i was going to ask about that experiment like what happened to your hunger doing that cuz i know for me that's where my head goes immediately so i i think that's really fascinating man that you were willing you know, to experiment with yourself and kind of take a chance and, and and start to work that out so that you can build this vision you have for how things go forward.
1: Yeah. That's it was something great. that I'd wanted to do for a long time. And I think that experiment really helped me realize that it is possible to have things in moderation and not need to completely go off the rails. Mm-hmm. So that was a big step in my recovery. And, you know, oh, go ahead.
0: Oh, no, go ahead. I wasn't saying anything.
1: Okay. So one thing that I I decided to change my mind on going forward with this as a lifestyle is that if I'm on vacation to somewhere that I may not go back to, or I may go back to, um, I'm not going to restrict myself anymore. Um, I know that's unpopular with people, but uh, I... I'm at the point now where I, I can do that. Um, so, like, uh, probably, I don't know, if it, not quite, yeah, it was a month ago or so, Um, me and the girlfriend went to Cincinnati, and while I was there, I was pretty good for the first three or four days, because like I said, the, the water weight gain is what really deters me from it, because mm-hmm. if I eat more than 200 grams of carbs, I'm just going to swell up, and I know it, so I usually save it to the end of the vacation, but. You know, I was pretty good for the first couple of days. I kept my carbs 30 to 50, you know, only eating little bits of things and trying, trying stuff. And then the last couple of days, I, I, you know, I let myself have a little more freedom. Like one morning, I think we had donuts and we went to a uh, murder mystery one night at Maggiano's. And what what are they going to serve you at Maggiano's besides pasta right. you know, and ar- arancini and, you know, risotto and, you know, stuff like that. And uh, it was pretty much where I'm just like, you know, I'm going to have one bad meal a day, maybe a dessert. But, you know, just just try and keep it rained in. Mm. So like one morning we went up and had donuts for breakfast. And then for lunch, I had like a salad. And uh, dinner, we went to the ballpark and I think I had. Uh, I had like some barbecue with macaroni and cheese or something, but, I, I you know, I kept it pretty reasonable. And then one night we were in Cincinnati, so we went to Grader's and had ice cream. Um, you know, and, and, and over a couple days, I, I gained about 20 pounds of water again, but I, I came home and I wasn't like, you know what, I'm going to fast for a week because I hate myself. I was just like, mm. yeah, I'm going to lose this water weight because that's just what happens to you. And that's your life now. So, um, I didn't, I didn't get too, too torn up about that. And, uh, then I went to Alaska on a mission trip and I was, I, you know, I just, it was one of those things where all the meals were provided for you and I just did the best I could. But, you know, a huge thing up in Alaska for whatever reason, despite how cold it is, craft ice cream is pretty big up there. I don't know that I'm ever gonna go back to Alaska. So right. I tried some stuff up there that I couldn't get back here. I had yeah, well, tacos.
0: When are, when are you gonna get when are you gonna get Alaska ice cream, you know, created yeah. in Alaska again?
1: And here's the thing, Gormy. at the end of the day, I didn't die.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I'm kinda I'm kinda over being scared of that stuff. Um Right. I I I feel a lot better in the end. Like I'm at the point where I, I can I can do that. Um and and one thing about my, my girlfriend Sarah, she's wonderful about that sort of thing. She she's she's lost probably 60 or so, maybe more pounds on keto herself. But like one of her things is she absolutely loves chocolate. She eats a Kit Kat every day. A mini Kit Kat. Like that's her thing. And she helped me realize that you can have things in moderation occasionally and you're not going to die. So like my birthday, I always used to be like, no, I, I, I can't. I have to keto. It's, it's, I can't celebrate, I can't do anything, I can't have anything that I want. Well, this year I decided not to. You know, I let myself have a little more freedom. I ate some carbs, Mm I had a little more calories, and I I didn't die. Like that that's that that was such a huge realization to me that I could just be okay with that sort of thing.
0: I I think that's an amazing realization. Like I, I think there's a real I hope what people listening are hearing as we as we dive into this is the real evolution in in your perspective. And, and I think one, a big part of it as being someone who was also, you know, over 500 pounds, like you're right. Like biologically, there's things that our bodies do that the body of someone who's lost 50 pounds doesn't do. You know, they have a they have a cheat meal and they might see like a two pound blip. Like even right now, me, like I'm pretty strict, you know, I'm very strict keto right now. If, if my electrolytes are balance is off i can put on seven pounds overnight yeah so that i, I look at
1: seven pounds on average a day
0: and that's and i mean and i think that's something that people need to realize that like because i think also like if i were to post to everyone you know the, those those wild swings that i go through um i don't think most people would have a perspective on it and would think there was something i was lying about you know that i was I was binging or something along those lines. And like, I've, I've been pretty open, you know, I've told my story, you know, when you talked about gaining 38 pounds on that trip, I'm sitting here nodding my head. Like when I went off the rails in 2013, I gained 30 pounds in two and a half days. Yeah. And I know for me, that moment was, was one of pure insanity because I wasn't thinking yet, you know. There's so many millions of cells in your body that are just screaming to be filled, and that's just them filling with the water that's coming in. You know, the the water for processing all those carbs you've taken in, like all of that. Like I wasn't in that thought process. I was in the holy crap, I gained thirty pounds, place. And yeah. I, I I think that's a for me. I, I personally, I, I find I, I find it heartening and, and inspiring to hear you talk about the evolution of your perspective and being able to say. I know when I do X, Y, and Z, X, Y, and Z is going to happen. But it's not the end of the world. It's not the end of your life. And you know that there's more time now because you're not 500 pounds. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not knocking on death's door, you know, because of any, your weight or health problems right now. Like you're, you're, you're in a place where you can adapt and and you can adjust and, not have to freak out and not reflexively fast. Like that's another thing like we see a lot lately, especially I think with in keto circles, is that reflective fasting. You know, I had a bad day, I went off the rails. I need to fast for three days to make up for it. Like I, yep. that's just as unhealthy of an impulse. Mm-hmm.
1: No, it just creates the binge purge um, cycle. Right, and that's that's really good for no one.
0: Hmm. So, but
1: people are afraid to talk about it.
0: I I definitely think so, and I, I I admire your willingness because I do think there are some people, like you're saying, that'll listen to this, and they're they're in that zealot space. I mean, I, one of the things I love is you know I I know a lot of people who would lo- love to say that vegans are zealots about how they eat. Um, I I think there can be zealotry just as strong in in the keto sphere, like it's. It's that zealotry sometimes that's driven by disordered behavior that we don't realize we're reinforcing for some people. And sometimes right. we have we have great reasons for the things we're doing. You know, there's I have a lot of friends that are performance athletes or have performance goals that, you know, are superhuman, you know, to me, to my perspective. But what I like what you're talking about is, you know, adjusting to living life and and making this a, a way of life that you can live with. Not just for six months till you hit a goal, not just for three months till another race comes, but your life that's all laid out in front of you. Yep. That's that's awesome, man. So is that where you would say that brings us up to where you are now, perspective-wise? Yeah. That's that's Absolutely. awesome. And now one of the things that I wanna, you know, because I I want to talk to you about and I don't want to keep you on this, you know, on the line all day, but one of the things I have to get into miles will not let me escape our discussion he's probably you know already into this episode asking wondering why I haven't gotten I actually to let you know I, I talked to him and said you know is there anything you specifically want me to ask Dale about you know is what should I you know kind of used him as like a little sounding board and uh, one of the things that that stood out to me looking at like what you post on Instagram and you talk about a lot now and you know that miles wanted you know kind of gave me the 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 in the insider scoop to talk to you about is your perspective on kind of food and, and life is a foodie now. And it's interesting to me because I, I came into this thinking, I was going to hear about this obsession with gourmet food that started when you were six years old, you know, and, and we, we started talking about, you know, Taco Bell and chips in a basement. Um, but your interest in food and trying new things and creating new things really seems to have blossomed now. Um, is that, would you agree with that? And like, where do, where do you, where, yeah, where do you, where where do you, how do you come into that space? Like, where does that grow from for you?
1: I, you know, man, I honestly don't know. Like, I, I'd always been into trying, like, I guess I just decided that I was more interested in trying like regional culture and stuff that I wasn't used to. Mm. Like, one of the things that opened my door was the first time that I tried sushi. First time I tried sushi was like, four years into keto. Mm. I always thought that was gross. I mean, I was... Like I said, we were... I was... I had pretty much an Italian upbringing, and the other thing was, like... You know, like, southern comfort food, so... Like, mayonnaise was too spicy. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. So, so, like, anything exotic or adventurous was just kind of off the menu because my parents didn't like it. And then... You know, as I started kind of just changing the way I ate, I wanted to try new things. And so I tried sushi and I really liked it. And then one day I was like, hey, what the hell? I'm going to try sashimi. You know, just I can have this on keto. Sushi without the rice. Why not? Let's give it a shot. I freaking loved it. Wow. Then like I developed a, a taste for uh blue cheese. Like I'd never liked that before, but mm. you know, I, I had cob salads and stuff, and I was like, oh, this isn't bad, you know, and then I just started exploring more and getting more adventurous, and I totally just turned into a foodie, and uh, I've always been a really good cook, and I always tell people when they ask me where I learned, you don't get to be 500 pounds by not knowing how to cook.
2: Oh, yeah, uh, very true.
1: So I'd always had a passion for that sort of thing, but then I started experimenting around with keto ingredients when I got really into it, and uh, that's why my kitchen is now a mad scientist lab. Mm. I've got all sorts of weird stuff that people have never heard of and can't pronounce, uh, and uh, I I put that stuff together to, I mean, it's kind of a hobby at this point, like I enjoy it. Oh, yeah experimenting with food and figuring new things out but like i've got oat fiber vital wheat gluten thank god i'm not a celiac because
2: mm. gluten
1: is really low in carbs so i use that a lot um oh wow i i experiment with protein powders and stuff uh find recipes online modify them try and keto them and I just like I fell in love with charcuterie and fancy meats and stuff. And I'm I'm oh, a nerd. Yeah. I like hobbies and I like learning too much about a subject until it's boring to somebody else. But I'm just always fascinated. So I started curing my own meat. This mm. last week I started making fermented hot sauce, made my own mustard, made I was gonna, my own bacon.
0: I was going to say, I've heard about your condiments. I've heard, uh, you know, so that's your that reputation is preceding you for sure. What, yeah. what have what have been some of your favorite things that you've you've done lately? Like, what are some of your recent discoveries?
1: You know, figuring out how to make a good ice cream base uh, was mm. something really proud of. Um, that is kind of an amalgamation of things. I use macadamia nut milk and heavy cream. This last batch, I experimented. I used a little bit less macadamia milk and some nut pods dairy free creamer. Mm. That turned out really well, but I always add it with a casein blend of protein.
3: Oh wow! So I
1: to keep, um, I'm a person that thrives on higher protein keto. Um, I'm not a big high fat keto guy. I usually keep my protein around probably 65 to yeah, 65 percent of my calories, fats around 30. Um, so I, I wanted it to be not too crazy. Um, like like rebel and and uh. Killer way, and all those companies like their, their ice cream is super, super fat heavy. Yeah, uh, I wanted it to be still somewhat reasonably balanced. So, uh, I found out that casein helps the texture, helps it not freeze as much. Mm. As does xanthan gum and vodka, just a little bit of vodka. Oh, wow! But I just played around with that, added some cream cheese, the uh, sort of uh, well, new Chateau, but you know, like the. There's less fat stuff, but you know, I just kept playing around and evolving it. And uh, that's one of the things I'm most proud of. I have a pretty pretty reasonable base that I can work with now and just kind of modify as things go on. But I mean, I just I really, really like kitchen experiments. That's like my favorite. So that's what I do.
0: That's awesome. And now do you do you find that any of that? Because like I know, like I love really getting into cooking and like discovering new techniques and new tools and ingredients and all of that as well. Like, And I, I've had people say to me, do you think that's just your food addiction and obsession transferring to a new subject? But it doesn't feel that way to me. Like, Do you, do you think it's a transference for you or do you think it's more, you know, finding a new way to find something exciting in, in the way that you're living now?
1: I mean, it's something that I've always enjoyed, so I don't see it as perpetuating a uh an obsession, but mm. you know, man, even if it is, is it hurtful? Is it harming me? Right. It's not a bad obsession to have if it is one.
2: So I guess
0: that's yep. the
1: way I kinda see that.
0: Definitely, because it doesn't seem like your this this fire you have for this experimentation is about you know the 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 fitting it fitting in as much as possible mentality that I think exists sometimes in the keto product space.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, like that idea of you know products that um, you know you you look at some of them and have you know forty five grams of fiber, but it's one net carb. So yeah, you know, like uh, there's there's mad scientists at work, I think there. Um, mm-hmm. But it sounds like more for me, like for like what you're doing is more about discovering these new flavors and experiences through food and making them work for how you live your life now. Yeah. That's and awesome.
1: I'm not really huge on the whole Keto Connect thing because I think they, I don't know. I think they, they they made a little too much money off the whole Keto thing and I don't think they're completely honest with people all the time but that's neither here nor there. But one thing that Matt did say one time that I thought was pretty cool is that they're playing the net, net carb game really hard. Mm. you see the ingredients on something and you're like, all right, there's 45 grams of carbs in this, but it's, it's three net carbs. What what are they doing here?
0: Yeah, I think I remember him saying that, like I, that's a, that perspective like that until I, because I started in October of last year doing total carbs, uh, just for how yeah. the protocol I'm working now. And I realized that up until that point, I was playing that game myself. Like, you know, trying to find things that, you know, had that hyper palatability, but I could, I could subtract the, you know, I could subtract all those sugar, alcohols and fiber, you know, take it from 50 total carbs down to four net carbs and not, not pay attention at all to the, the fun bloating and other digestive effects that I would feel, you know, having two servings of something like that afterwards. Um, you know, there's, there's reasons uh, why there's, there's reasons why, I like those, the Russell Stovers candies have a warning on the label about not eating more than a full serving.
1: Yep, I had to figure out the hard way that uh, mm. Dale can't have an avocado and a Quest bar in the same day. Oh, really? I'm not. I'm not a person that's going to have to be carnivore, but I eat too much fiber; it jacks me up, and uh, mm. I had to learn that the hard way by net carbing myself to death. <laughs>
0: But I I think the great thing there, like you know, to tangent it back to what we've been talking about, like you're willing to learn. You know, oh, yeah. it's it, that's one of the things that stands out to me in your story, Dale, is that you've had a lot of different experiences that you you have, you know, especially on the weight loss side of your journey. Like sometimes the stories that we break into here on the forum are really about you know the fat guy side of someone's life, and you know you've had a, you had a lot of experience, you know, a lot of things happen there, and like you said. You lived the basement dwelling stereotype, but I think your growth really came even further into your journey. Like you had you had dropped a significant amount of weight, and then started to realize, you know, it was time to work on that relationship with food. And now you you look at you know the way you relate to specific foods, and um, I I think that's really inspiring people out there to realize that don't don't feel like one phase of your journey has to be the only phase that exists. Like you can you can realize that there's other dimensions and different things to work on and i think for me that was that was my problem when i really screwed up you know 5 years ago like i was focused solely on on numbers on the scale and i never let myself get out of that obsession and that's one of those things that i try to work on now but so I, it's it's great for me to hear someone because you, like you said you've been doing keto and working on this journey since before you know, there were 75. Like, I, I honestly, I I went to the grocery store earlier today and had this moment where I walked around because the the healthy food section of my local big chain grocery store has grown from like half an aisle to like four aisles. And I see now all these products that you used to not even know existed online on the, the, the stores of a big box grocery store. You know, four or five different kinds of bone broth I saw today. I was like, Okay, you know, you go to the you go to the regular cooking oil aisle and at what used to be there was only probably like two types of olive oil. And now, you know, there's 50 kinds of olive oil, but there's also six or seven kinds of coconut oil and animal fats.
1: Grape seed uh, oil, avocado oil. Oh, yeah.
0: There the grocery store I was at today had three different kinds of ghee, And I'm like, that's. This is kind of like amazing to me, the time we live in now. Like, so I, I think it's impressive that you've been able to see this through as a sustainable journey from when there wasn't all of those options available at your fingertips. And sure. and you were you were able to make it work and and come through the challenges that that, that popped up popped up along the way for you. So I, I hope that you're I hope that you're proud of that.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean. You know, it, one thing that is fortunate, though, is that I'm out of the danger zone. And that's why I'm mm. willing to experiment with my own body. You know, like I am in no way, shape or form at an unhealthy weight. Even if I gain 20 pounds, it is not going to be dangerous for me. So I can mm. I can do whatever I want now and, and always go back to it because I have made that change in my mind. I will never be 500 pounds. Mm. So, I mean, it's. Life isn't a race; it's a marathon. Um, I mean, it, it's not a sprint, you know. So I just—I know this is my life now, and I'm completely willing to experiment and try different things. And if they don't work out, I can always go back to what I know works. Right. And and that's that's a great place to be. Man. I mean, I, I'm I'm just like I've never been this happy. About that's awesome. Everything. And you know, like my life is a hundred percent different than it was. It wasn't just it was it like I'll always owe a massive debt to keto and the community when I started because I don't know that I'd still be alive now, man. Like I was mm-hmm. employed, dropped out of college in five hundred pounds. You know, now I have a really good job. I um I I still don't have a college degree, but I own a house, I'm not alone anymore, like I have somebody. It's it sounds crazy to have my first real girlfriend at 29 years old, but you know what? <laughs> like I I was able to do that because I evolved so much as a person, I guess.
0: No, that that's accurate, man. That's completely accurate.
1: I I've never been as happy as I am now. Like I am my life is great and people don't realize how much changing you know your life, how how life changing it can be to figure it out for yourself and and get to the point where you're happy. Mm. So losing all that weight did so much more for me than it helps your confidence, it helps your motivation, it helps you become more of a disciplined person, and that's that's helped me be the person I am today, and I, I'm I'm proud of that.
3: Well you and should be. I have
0: you have should be.
1: Respect for all the people like you and Miles and everybody else that I'm friends with online for your ability to do the same. Like you motivate people. I mean you have a huge following gourmet and you influence so many people in the right way. And and that's awesome. Well like I, I'm I'm proud of the person that you are. Like just putting yourself out there, talking about your struggles, that kind of thing. We need more people like that. We need people to be vocal about it. Like, yeah, I had a crappy day today. Like, I, like, my lifting thing, like, I, I went to the gym today, and it was awful. I felt mm. like, I was like, this is stupid, I want to go home. And I just, then I caught, like, I posted on Instagram, caught a glimpse of myself in the mirror, and I was like, hey, you know what? You're not 500 pounds. Right. Happy workout, but your life still doesn't suck.
3: I mean,
0: that's so right, man. Like, I, and one, I appreciate, I appreciate that for sure. But I, I think by sharing my story and experiences, I've been able to get to the place that I am now with like this podcast and being able to connect with people like yourself and, and Miles and other people online and realize that, you know, one, I'm not alone in the, the struggles that I went through, but also I, I amazingly appreciate the opportunity to pick up new, New ideas and new things that I can look at, you know, new, new things to look forward to on my journey, because realistically, as, as much as my, my weight issues have been a lifelong battle, um, I'm still really young in, in the, this experience, you know, this keto journey of mine, like, you know, I'm coming up on two and a half years, like I, I still have a ways to go, like in turn, and I, I, I look, I look at stories like yours and I see hope. And so I just, I just really appreciate your, your candor and telling it because it allows you, someone like me to see that again, it, it's not an, it's not a, a line, a straight line journey or a, a race, a hundred meter dash, you know, it's, it's more like a Spartan race, you know, with a more nuanced course that's got different obstacles along the way. And you have to figure out those obstacles to get on to the next one. Absolutely, man. But it is not I, I, a
1: straight line for anybody, and anybody mm-hmm. that tells you it is is full of it.
0: And and I think anyone that expects like beats themselves up because they're not going in that straight line needs to take a deep breath and realize that it's okay. You know, yeah. if you you've got the dips, of the hills, and the valleys, and accept that they're going to be there. And and yes, you know, don't don't celebrate your your losses, you know, in ways that reinforce bad behavior, but don't wallow in them so that they prevent you from seeing that there's still a heck of a lot of race left
1: you know what I tell people man if you do not make mistakes you are not trying Mm. everybody screws up and your ability you know it's not falling off the horse it's getting back on it that's such a cliche but it's so freaking true like you have a sidestep don't care get back on it It's not permanent. It's not permanent weight. Like you you have a day where you eat a bunch of trash and then you look at the scale and you're nine pounds heavier. Guess what? That's not real. You know? It's water retention. Can you hear me?
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Oh yeah.
1: Okay, sorry. It's it's just like sodium float and and carb water retention. Like it's it's not real. Mm. So you gotta got to get back down when you, you got to get back up when you get knocked down it's i feel like i'm just a book of cliches right now but it's all so true that's my life like something stupid happens to me do i sit there and wallow in it like i did seven years ago no i i man up and i deal with it
0: that that doesn't sound cliche at all to me man it sounds like a success it sounds like you know, building.
1: I tell people it is not the end of the world. No one died. You can get
0: mm-hmm. back. Right. That makes complete sense. Well, Dale, I I have really enjoyed our conversation today, and I feel like we've gone to a lot of a lot of places that are going to help a lot of people. Uh, is there anything left out there on the table that we haven't talked about yet, or you want to say to people uh, before we we wrap up um, our time?
1: I, I don't think so man i think i pretty much soapboxed at you long enough
0: <laughs> no I, I don't think you soapboxed at all man i I think you shared your experiences in a way that are gonna it's gonna be really helpful for people especially people that hit those struggle points like i if you know i boil down the takeaways from what we've just talked about for the last almost hour and a half now and i i look at you know your ability to To grow your awareness, you know, from where you were to it wasn't like you flipped a switch when you were 500 pounds seven years ago and everything fell right in line, but you've worked at it. And, and I think that there's, there's some admirable lessons there for people. So I, I hope people, one, are, are going to really enjoy hearing, you know, the evolution of your journey, but two, for themselves, start to get some perspective on how their journeys can evolve as well. I think that's really important. So I just really want to say thank you for, for being willing to share that with us all today.
1: Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me.
0: Definitely. Definitely. I'm glad we we got this chance to finally talk um, outside of a DM or a comment on Instagram. I think it's really great. Uh, these opportunities that they, that this journey brings all of us. Uh, if people out there are listening and they, one, Obviously, they want to talk to you about your journey, but two, if they're more interested in hearing about this fermented hot sauce and mustards and all these, uh, your ice cream base specifically, because he did post one of the ice creams he made today. I think it was peaches that you used, right? Yep, that's awesome. That's awesome.
1: Peaches, How do people f- herbs and blueberries? Just saying.
0: There you go, man. How do you? And, and that's one of the things. Like I, 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 I'm. I wish I could be inside the heads of some of the people listening to some of the things that you're saying, who are like. But that's not that isn't you know, I'm I'm just I'm hoping there's some, some pearl collection going on as people are listening. Um Right. I'm probably they... people. Oh I'm sure, I'm sure, but hey
1: It's stone fruit, it's not keto.
0: Uh oh. Well if someone does want to talk to you about stone fruit, where do they find you, man? Uh PRS Player
1: twenty four on Instagram. PRS player 15 on Reddit, but I really try and stay away from Reddit because that place has destroyed me because those people do not want your help. Mm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, anybody wants to DM me or anything, I, I answer questions for anybody. Like, I, I don't care. I'll, I'll tell 15 different people the same exact thing. Um, I, I never get sick of helping people out, so.
0: Well, well, that's awesome, man. Thank you so much. And I hope that everyone out there listening, you'll get a chance let, let Dale know what you thought about him coming on the forum today. I know I really appreciated your time today, Dale. So thank you so much. And that's going to bring us to the close of another episode of the fat guy forum. I'm your host Gourmet. If you want to connect with me for any reason, you know, I know I'm not, I haven't made any hot sauces or anything that exciting of late, but, um, I'm getting inspired definitely by, you know, by you and, and a lot of other people, um, I, I know you haven't yet, but I I dove into Miles Duck Prosciutto this week, and that that was delicious. Let me just tell you, like he did a really good job with that. So, yeah, like it's I'm I I the charcuterie bug bit me a while ago, but now I feel like I'm in a place where I need to start trying some things on my own. So I'm gonna get I'm gonna get inspired. But if you want to talk to me, you can find me on Instagram at gourmet underscore goes underscore keto. Or on Twitter at Gourmigos Keto, no underscores or dashes. You can also email the show at theFatGuyForum at gmail.com. And if you're out there listening on iTunes or Apple, please do me a favor. Leave us give us give us a rating. You know, five stars is always appreciated, but be honest. And drop a review so people can hear what you think about the show. Because it's it's that word of mouth that helps get us in front of other people. So Until next time, where we're going to bring you the story of another great dude who's lived that fat life. This is your host, Gourmet, reminding you to do something today to amaze yourself because you're all amazing people. I'll see you all next time.